Hello, I'm Rachel Richards and welcome to Teenagers Untangled, where we combine research by experts and ideas from other parents to solve your problems. As a parenting coach, I saw the incredible power of getting people together to share ideas and support each other. So welcome, pull up a chair and let's begin. On today's show, we start at the very beginning by having a rummage in your own parenting toolbox. Where did your skills come from and how useful are they in dealing with the child you have? Also, we have a section called Tangling with Your Teenager, where we deal with listener problems. And this time, it's how to get your teenager to do something you've asked them to, like tidy up their room. I'm joined by Susie Asley, who is a teacher of mindfulness, qualified psychotherapist, musician and mother to three teenagers, including twins. Hi, Susie. Thanks for being here with us. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for inviting me. When it comes to solving parenting issues, I found that there's never one single answer because families are so complicated. So what we want to do on Teenagers Untangled is give you a chance to think about problems, hopefully before they happen, and to hear examples of how to deal with them. Susie, I found this worked really well when coaching parenting groups. Is it something you use in mindfulness? Yeah, I do. I I much prefer teaching in groups. I think it's a much better way to learn. I do one-to-ones as well, which is also you know, a great way to learn. But if people can come to a group, I find the learning is, is it just normalises stuff. So if I teach something to somebody, they can learn it. But if somebody in the group says, oh, yeah, I do that too, then there's, I don't know, there's a collective sigh where people go, oh, yeah, then it's okay. They feel more relaxed about yeah, it and normal... they're more happy about sharing yeah, yeah. the experiences. Yeah, Normal stories. When it comes to my own parenting, I'd had some experience with having stepchildren. But as Dr. Eric Sigmund, the psychologist, told me, it's rather different from raising your own. So beyond how to feed and change my baby's nappy, I hadn't really focused on my skills. Susie, were you better prepared? Uh, Yes and no. (laughs) Um, I had been doing a psychotherapy course um, in the years up to giving birth to my first child. So I had spent some time rummaging through my own baggage, (laughs) um, which was really helpful. Um, but the actual parenting part with my own kids, no, I didn't really feel that prepared. So both, I guess. Yes, yeah, so as you said to me before, you, you're kind of better at parenting before you have children. Yeah, way better. <laughs> Way better, better ideas. <laughs> yes, and roll the clock onto the toddler years, and I realised that my own parenting had done almost nothing to equip me for the job. So, as a journalist, I did what I always do, which is to read everything I could get my hands on to find out how it worked. So, Susie, what about you? How did you get some skills? Get skilled up. Uh, um, well, I did use some of the stuff that I had learnt in my psychotherapy training. Um, so, sort of awareness of my own patterns, awareness of how to to be a parent actual hands-on child stuff I read some books um got pretty confused (laughs) um read a few more books got even more confused (laughs) because the experts know what to do but you know when it comes to actually applying things at home it can be rather more complicated So I found it so interesting that I ended up as a parenting coach and mentor of other coaches for a fantastic charity called Parent Gym. And what I realised is that parenting is a combination of love 
and rules. And there's never really a perfect answer to any parenting problem. I mean, there's no manual, right, Susie? No, unfortunately, (laughs) not one written yet. So let's look at the love and rules in our parenting styles and start with what's probably the biggest influence, which is... Our own parents and upbringing. So think back to when you were a teenager and the way in which you were parented. And we can learn a lot from this. So so please join in at home. So those key elements of parenting, love and rules. Let's start with love because we should always start with that message. So my question is, was your house full of love and warmth, hugs, laughter, family games, time together? Did you feel noticed? Or were your parents cold and distant, brittle, undemonstrative, absent? Did you feel unheard or unnoticed? And, you know, I'll start off with, with, I came from a background of parenting where my father was very Edwardian. And that's a very much a, you know, children should be seen and not heard attitude. And uh, my mother, was very uh, undemonstrative. I couldn't tell you whether she loved me or not because there was no real connection or communication about love at all in our house. No one talked about it. There was no touching, hugging. And, um, you know, I coached people in my parenting classes. One lady who came back to me and said, oh, my God, I've just realised I grew up thinking that everybody else was perverted because they were holding hands and hugging in their family. And now I've realised we're the weird ones because no one in my family hugs. And I'm not saying that it's a it's a terrible thing, but I think that people, children feel much more safe and protected and nurtured if they have a sense of being loved what about you Susie yeah um I think it's also a generational thing I think we we think very differently in our generation and we're much more um I think nurturing and and being with our kids is much more at the forefront whereas in my parents generation it it was just different um and I definitely felt the differences there um I think all parents are doing the best they can with the tools they have at the time. Um, I think it's really important to remember that. And it's really valuable to look back on our own childhood patterns to see what we liked, what we didn't like and what we want to carry on and what we don't want to carry on. And that's exactly it, because when we critique our parents and their parenting style, it's not about laying blame at their door. It's about thinking, how did that make me feel? And are there things that I would do differently or are there things that I can take from it? and use myself so it's just very much about thinking about these things rather than just blindly responding to our our upbringing and that brings me on to the second thing which is about rules because rules are everywhere in society whether explicit like road signs or implicit like manners Um, our home is the first place we encounter them and learn what they mean and why they're important And we've probably all experienced going to someone else's home and feeling like it's almost alien compared to our own environment. And and this is important because teenagers start doing that a lot more. They notice the way other people's houses are set up. They, They spend a lot more time going out to other people's homes or to other places. So this this rural environment starts to shift. And so the question is, what were your parents like in terms of rules? Were they really relaxed about how you lived your life? Did they let you set your own boundaries? Were you free to choose your bedtime, free to choose your food, allowed to make your own decisions? Or were they very strict about bedtimes, mealtimes, rituals, clothes, manners, tidiness? And if they were strict... Were they consistent? Yeah, really interesting question with rules. Um, There were definitely rules in my childhood. Um, 
definite rules about you know the basics bedtime and and food and and all that kind of thing um I was just sitting here thinking when you were saying that about my kids I had way less rules and I just remember children coming into our house because I (laughs) I let my kids draw on the walls in their bedroom (laughs) (laughs) and they had like when we moved to the UK because we lived in Denmark before um they were quite little and they could just do whatever they wanted in their bedrooms and there was a lot of drawing on their walls and children would come into their bedroom and and my two would go oh you can draw on the wall and and they just didn't know what to do they'd kind of be looking around going and they with pen in hand going can I can I really can I really and we're going yeah yeah go on <laughs> that's fascinating because yeah. my husband would lose his mind wow. if my children drew on the walls yeah only in their bedrooms but yeah they could do whatever they it like doesn't on. matter what where it is <laughs> that would be an absolute no chance yeah. so that's interesting because again that's a very different approach to parenting yeah. and uh in my house my father had very very strange but strict rules yeah. sometimes Right. And they were completely inconsistent and my mother didn't notice at all. So I could I was allowed to stay out and play until whatever time everybody else would be called in and I would still be outside and think, Oh, all right, well I'll just go home then, shall yeah. I? Um or you know, just lots of things like that yeah. which meant that it was quite confusing and I spent a lot of time trying to work out what I should be doing. Yeah. Not to get into trouble. Yes, yeah. When it's inconsistent, that's that's really difficult because then you're searching for for the boundary all the time, aren't you? All the time, and I think what would be what probably would have been easier for me were if I had consistent rules and if I knew that they. I think the rules are connected to caring. Yeah. So some rules can feel very disciplinarian and uncomfortable, but other rules are all about care and love, yeah. and it's about trying to get that right, isn't and it? Being flexible with them, so you can have rules that you know that work one day, but they don't work the next, and then you can have a conversation about it. Yes, and I think were those conversations forthcoming, that might have made life yes. a lot easier. So now I'd like to turn our mind to how we parent our own children and how that compares with the way that we were parented. And the interesting thing about it is that when we like what our parents did, we often mindlessly do the same. You know, we don't really even notice that we're doing it because it just felt right. And if we didn't like it, we just do the opposite. (laughs) Isn't necessarily the best way. Um, And I suppose what I'm getting at is that neither is necessarily the right decision uh, because neither is necessarily a decision. And our parents were coping with their roles in a very different world from the one in which we are now having to operate. Their life was very different. Maybe their techniques aren't even relevant anymore. And when it comes to bad parenting, just doing the opposite isn't necessarily going to help your children because when we react to our bad parenting it's often about us Mm. the way we're parenting is not about the children that we've been Mm. given it's about you know trying to unravel the 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 anger that we felt from the way that we were treated yeah I think most of parenting is about us (laughs) interesting (laughs) um which can be quite annoying because it's us that have to do the work um I think if we don't tune in to 
to uh, and become aware of who we are some, as people, what we value, what we think is important. If we don't know that, then it's very difficult to know to pa- how to parent. Um, and I think when there's imbalance in the children or in the dynamics, then it usually comes back to us, Interesting. <laughs> which is which is a different way I know of looking at it. But um, I find that to be true in my in my home um, when I'm out of balance or things are difficult in my personal life or whatever's going on whatever it doesn't really matter then that um, manifests itself in the kids somehow so we're really parenting ourselves yeah. when we're parenting our yeah. children yeah and if we haven't first said okay what do I value what's what's important to me then how on earth can we decide which boundaries we want to enforce or which are important if we don't know first what we think is important and What's even more complicated is, I mean, you're you're a single parent when you've got two parents who may well have very different attitudes to the way that life should, uh, you know, home should be run, for example. I mean, I've had one woman in my parenting group whose husband was little more than a toddler himself you know he had a real really ex- lovely exuberant attitude to life but there was literally no understanding of why he should get dressed in the morning and you know what when breakfast should be had and it was very um a loose sense of what rules were and this was very frustrating for her because yeah. she just had a different style yeah. so in a way we have to talk to each other about uh, or you know us and understand ourselves yeah and uh, for me whenever i'm dealing with my children I tried to remove the emotion by saying to myself, what am I trying to achieve here? So if I'm trying to get something to happen or anything that's going on, I just think, what, what is my goal here? And it's always should, it always should be to raise competent adults, people who are capable of coping themselves. So if you strip away everything else and you look at what you're trying to get them to do, the question is, is this going to help them? Yeah. You know, is the way that I'm telling them they yeah. should do this yeah. helping that to yes. happen? Yeah, I mean, I think the kids are always competent. <laughs> I think they really are. There's um, uh, We lived in Denmark for years and there's a, a brilliant man called Jesper Yule who wrote a book, The Competent Child, and his approach is very much um, children are competent, they need guidance, they need help, they need... Um, they need assistance with sort of the dynamics of the family and all all of stuff like that. But they're innately competent. So, for example, when a kid is um, struggling with something or there's a, a an argument at home or whatever it is, they're trying to tell you something. <laughs> so it's sort of tuning in into that all the time um, and trying to work out what's going on rather than an agenda. Interesting, interesting. And as you'll hear, Susie's comes. Susie comes from a sort of a, a, a more, what would you call it, Northern European um, frame. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And so it's an interesting, it'll be lovely contrast to hear the different way that things are perceived um, from from, from Denmark, for example. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this segment. Was there anything about the way you were parented that really helped you? Or are there things you are struggling with because you don't feel your childhood equipped you for this stage? Our email address is help at teenagersuntangled.com. Now, this next session is called Tangling with Teenagers, a chance for us to take a particular problem and try to offer you some solutions. We've already been sent some excellent questions ranging from ones about sex and drugs and how honest you should be about your past with your teenager 
to whether they should be allowed to, I don't know, sleep in at the weekend. Now, Natalie wrote to us saying, my son drives me mad because I've asked him a million times to put his clothes away and he never does or does some, but not all of it. What can I do? I'm really fed up. Susie, what do you think? (laughs) Well, I think it's very much dependent on what your own boundaries are and what your own way of living is at home because our house is is um well can be quite messy and there's the drawing on the walls for the start <laughs> yeah there's a the theme here isn't <laughs> it clearly bothers um this this lovely mother who's written in that that it's messy so that's a thing for her it's clearly not an issue for her son um so maybe how can she manage that in a way that's closing the door or not being bothered by it or or you know asking yourself how important is it fight you know pick your battles is this really important or is this something I can let go absolutely and we've, we've had some really great responses and they vary a great deal there are the punitive ones like linking a tidy room directly receiving pocket money some have changed the wi-fi password and allowed them to have it only once the room was tidy um, someone put everyone everything in a bin bag and hid it with the threat of it being thrown out unless it was put away I mean my daughter said oh well just offer to tidy up for me I'll do it I'll do it instantly because she can't bear the idea of me going in her room and and uh you know going through her possessions I've even seen the suggestion that having a door on your bedroom is a privilege and not a right so the door should be removed until the room is tidy and but those are all punitive measures you saw um some thread about this didn't you I mean I haven't I don't think I've ever asked my kids to tidy their bedrooms it just is that's I feel that's their space and they do what they want with it and eventually when it's grim enough they do something about it (laughs) but I did read something I think it was from the states and it was very funny and it was families who got fed up and they obviously mattered to them they wanted these bedrooms to be tidy for whatever reason and um, they recommended putting black rice down because it looks like mouse droppings (laughs) it looks really like mouse droppings and then the teenagers would freak out and go oh how disgusting and clean up um which is funny I mean worth a try well if if that bothers you if you know if having a messy room bothers you then yeah go for it but maybe maybe it's you know maybe it's not the most important thing in the world maybe it's not and i mean for some people they like you they just say this is not something to stress about why don't you just shut the door and ignore what's going on in the room another said the child may need help with decluttering yeah. Yeah. and support in working out the best way to put things away so you know they haven't developed the skills yet on how do i rather than just dumping something on the floor is there a is there a peg for this? Yeah. Is there, you know, how would I manage my wardrobe and my storage facilities yeah. to ensure that they're used, you know, appropriately? One parent pointed out that some people are naturally tidier than others and being given the sense that you are constantly a disappointment or not good enough is it's very dis- debilitating for children. Yeah, yeah. And actually, let's be honest, nobody is going to have on their gravestone, she had a tidy house. <laughs> That's how little it really matters in the grand scheme of things. But I think your point about checking our own feelings about these things is really at the crux of it because I had my older stepdaughter living with us for a while and she's absolutely adorable. She's, you know, very, very capable. But the room was just, it it used to make me cringe every time I walked past the bedroom. And, And I wouldn't go into my teenagers bedrooms or my young adults bedrooms and and expect to go and 
you know, go through anything because it's, it, I do think it's their space yeah. and I think it's important to respect that it's their space. But, they, you know, the coffee cups had gone. There were no cups left in the cupboards. And I kept saying to her, could you please just clear up and bring the stuff downstairs? Mm. And eventually... I lost it with her and it wasn't a good it wasn't a good wasn't a discussion let's put it that way and actually what I managed to say to her was that um, I think the word they use nowadays is triggering because I come from a chaotic household where you know tidy was never what it was it was just mm. and I found it very stressful as yeah. a teenager and had never really learned how to tidy up it just reminded me of that it made me feel really upset and that there was no respect for the way that I decided to set my house up yeah. and when I explained that to her and said you know what's what's happening is I'm looking at you thinking you're disrespecting me because this matters to me mm. it, it was it was a, a, a transformation because mm. she could see why and, it, and that it was about not not about me trying to impose something on her it was more about a need that I had inside yeah. me and I think and she maybe had no idea Exactly. And I think I think that that's why in every single situation, the communication is critical and that you have to sort of work out first why it's so important to you so that you can then express it properly to the child. Because, as you said, that seems not to matter to them. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Why do I need to pick this stuff up? It's not bothering me. It's not bothering you. And actually, I remember somebody saying to me once, you know, it's much easier. Life is much easier when your room's tidy. Yeah. But my kids, I think some, I mean, my children are very different with how they have their rooms. I have a daughter who's super, super tidy um, and has a massive, mega organised room. And I I wish she'd do the whole house, really. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Might pay her. Um, And her brother, um, who I'm sure wouldn't mind me saying this, his room is not quite like that, should we say? (laughs) But he he does reach a limit. Like he'll reach a limit where he can't find anything or he's got the wrong clothes or, you know, they're not washed because they haven't made it to the washing basket and he needs them. And then he'll give it a blitz. Um, So he reaches his own limit and then, you know, self-regulates it. Interesting, interesting. And I think my um, older daughter is actually quite tidy. And she said to me that she had seen some article which was talking about the emotional impact of just simply tidying up. And she said that she knows now that if when it comes to the end of the day and she's had a very stressful day, the mere act of just putting everything away calms her and makes her feel ready for the next day. But not everybody is going to feel that way. So it's it's about, I guess, about generally respecting that you've got a, 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 another human being rather yeah. than just a child. Because yes. you've gone from that, that stage of saying, right, you've got to do these things to then saying okay, I've got to start respecting that this person may want to live differently. And an awareness, I mean, if we bring it back to mindfulness, an awareness of what's what's okay for me and what's not okay. And if we don't sort of tune into our own needs and our own limits and our own triggers, then then we're just reactive and reacting and going, right, tidy, tidy, or, or whatever. And we don't really, maybe haven't really questioned whether that actually is important or not. Mm. When you've got somebody who, or people who are the breadwinners, mm. who are paying for everything in a property, it can feel very disrespectful yes. if the way that they want things to be yeah. uh, isn't followed by the other people in the house. Yes. So there's that as well. Yeah, but like you so beautifully did, if you don't explain that, then mm. they don't know that, do they? <laughs> They're just dumping clothes. They don't know. They don't know that that is interpreted as disrespectful. Yes. Um, they, 
to just drop in their clothes. <laughs> yes. And, and that's, I think that's absolutely the heart of it. It's this, this um, quite often children and teenagers, we sort of expect them to suddenly be aware of their behaviour and how it impacts people. But in actual fact, what we need to do is accept that they are not going to know this stuff without being explicit and perhaps a bit more communications the order of the day and letting stuff go it's fascinating i'd love to know if any of you have another suggestion or any more ways in which you've tackled this topic do you care do you care about whether your children have a messy room or not in our next session we are going to be tackling teenagers and alcohol which is a massive massive topic and i'm sure we'll come back to it several times over it's not going to be a one hit wonder and we'll also tackle a question sent in by alex how do i stay connected with my teenager when they argue and don't seem to want me anymore my friend Natalie, uh, not the one who wrote in this week, but uh, she told me she feels like parenting teenagers is a process of mourning the loss of her babies and her own youth and realising that they have more friends and fun than her. So, you know, this is, a, again, it's a, some of it's about us, isn't it? Um, we'd love to hear your answers to this question. Do you have any techniques or tactics that, that you've used to keep your children close and keep that connection going? Also, do get in touch if you have a question you'd like us to tackle. You can reach us by using the email help at teenagersuntangled.com and we're on most of the social media platforms thanks for listening until next time goodbye goodbye